Hey, it's Diane and Susanna, your favorite global health scientists. And you're listening to Global Caveat. Today, we're going to talk about life-saving healthcare for women and children in Bangladesh. Before we get started, we want to thank all our supporters who make Global Caveat possible. Your share subscriptions and reviews mean so much to us, so if you're listening, take a few seconds to leave us a review. You can also become a Contagion by signing up on our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Yes, please leave us reviews and become a Patreon if you can. But now let's dive right in. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Dr. Iftikhar Mahmoud, a pediatrician and founder of the Hope Foundation, a nonprofit organization serving women and children in Bangladesh. Iftikhar Mahmoud? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, if you could give us just a short introduction and any contact information if people want to reach out to you. So, I'm Dr. Iftikhar Mahmoud. I'm uh, by profession, I'm a pediatrician. Um, I practice in uh, Miami, uh, Florida, but originally I am from uh, Cox's Bazar, Bangladesh. Cox's Bazar is the southern part of Bangladesh, it's a district. Mm-hmm. I medical school in Bangladesh and I came doing my did my residency and fellowship training in the US and in 1999 about 20 years ago I 20 plus years ago I started Hope Foundation it was basically as a doctor I wanted to uh, give back where I came from I saw some difficulties in healthcare so I started the Hope Foundation and uh, since then I've been working for the organization uh, setting it up uh, I started with a small one room clinic but uh, over the time it has grown to multiple hospitals and many clinics and training programs and uh, it's a good size organization um, and uh, to, uh, we have a website www.hope.org okay awesome fantastic and let's talk about hope foundation a little bit so what is yeah. it what's the purpose of the foundation so the hope foundation the full name is Hope Foundation for Women and Children of Bangladesh. Okay. So uh, uh, the, our focus is on women and children, mm-hmm. well-being of the women and children, and, and uh, for all women and children. But because uh, it is in a underdeveloped country like Bangladesh, mm-hmm. and we wanted to focus on the women and children who are facing difficulties accessing to healthcare, and and that leads to different kind of health issues, even uh, mortality. So. Uh, so we want to overall uh, help them, uh, support them, support their care, regardless if they have a ability to afford that care. Mm-hmm. And so basically through our foundation, we set up hospitals and clinics, we train uh, midwives, we going to start training nurses, community nurses, paramedics. So basically not only uh, set up clinics or hospitals, also give them like access to our healthcare professionals in the rural areas. Okay, awesome. Is there a reason you chose Bangladesh other than the fact that you're from there? Well, yes, because, uh, you know, setting up an organization and, and uh, do the impactful work is a lot of challenge. You know, yeah. It's easy. Yeah. So you do in a, a place that where you, uh, you, you're familiar with the place and you also know the people, you understand the community mm-hmm. and you understand the need. So it makes your life, life work much more easier. Mm-hmm. And also you can uh, set up uh, exemplary work which other organizations 
or other people they want to do, they can do. Even though we set up the organization in Bangladesh, but uh, we work with many or other organizations and they work in different uh, countries and different areas. So mm-hmm. we exchange ideas and views. Okay. We try to learn from each other. Okay. I think it makes sense to yeah. set up an organization or an effort in a place that you do have a connection with. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Hope Foundation, it does women and child health. And then is it headquartered in Bangladesh then? So it is. And I, since I'm a U.S. citizen, I mm-hmm. uh, live in the States and I'm the founder. So mm-hmm. I started the organization actually in Florida. Okay. Uh, but our our uh, the work is in Bangladesh. We we uh, sometimes we participate in different health fair and all this here mm-hmm. locally, um, and we um, work with the different universities uh, mm-hmm. uh, or their public health. You know, like sometimes I give talks and all this. But uh, work is in Bangladesh. The headquarters in the U.S. Uh, okay. Most of our staff, most of everything happening in Bangladesh. Okay. okay. And what are the I guess, major health concerns that the foundation is trying to address? So, there is our core uh, the objective of our organization. As a founder, my, you know, that's my mission and, and aim is mm-hmm. to offer safe delivery of the okay. right? So, that is, I think, the core of our problems that I want to uh, address mm-hmm. because if we can give the safe pregnancy and safe delivery then a mother after the after uh, you know that uh, maternal mortality is very very high in country like bangladesh or in some of the african countries right? mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Un- unacceptably high and um, so try to focus on this make sure the mother is healthy at the end of the pregnancy and the baby mm-hmm. is healthy at the end of the pregnancy so the family remains in a you know a kind of uh, not adversely affected Right. Say, for example, if the mother becomes sick or mother dies, or the baby dies, you know, it is a catastrophic event for the family, no matter if they're poor or rich. But if that part is, you know, done well, mm-hmm. then you can avoid a lot of problems. So we focus on that. So to do that, we uh, do a lot of things. You know, how do we do that? Because you have to set infrastructure, you have to set up transportation, safe transportation, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you are. Like, you know, you are in a labor and you need to go to a hospital. If you don't have an ambulance or if you don't have support to go to a hospital, that time can be uh, catastrophic. Mm-hmm. So you have to set it up as well as you have to have to well-trained people to work in your system who can actually give the help. Because, uh, right. Mm-hmm. And also we work on mental health of the of the family and of, of the mother because physical health is very connected. So there are so many things. But the, mm-hmm. at the core is basically give them a safe delivery. That's our uh, like ultimate objective. Okay. Okay. And so I I find that very interesting. And I think um, when you say self delivery, I think like you mentioned some of the examples you gave. There are so many different aspects to safe delivery, um, from like prenatal care all the way through the pregnancy, and then even when the delivery time comes, and all the way up to after um, after birth as well. So. In a lot of ways, um, you're doing this community work. And are there, um, how do you navigate, because you're a male physician, <laughs> um, and you're working primarily with women. And yes. so how do you navigate that, the difference in just gender and power dynamics? Okay. So uh, 
even though I'm a male physician, because, you know, if you look at the women's doctors, like gynecologists yeah. and obstetrics, they're mostly male, actually, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in, in medicine, gender is not a, such a big uh, factor, and as my, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, however, uh, in the, working in the rural area, you have to understand the community because, you know, cultural, cultural adjustment is a very important factor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for our, all the midwives that we train, 100% of them are women, mm-hmm. you know, male midwives. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and most of our uh, people that are getting trained to our foundation and, and in the future also, with, uh, we are, we will be overwhelmingly women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, I am sort of an administrator. I don't actually do physical, I don't have to do physically deliver the baby. Mm-hmm. The people mm-hmm. who are delivering the baby, are, are like all of them women uh-huh. you know, uh, yeah. in our system, midwife system, but we have physician, male physician as well, uh, who does help with the baby, but very small number. Okay. But, but in fact, I, my experience, I tell you, uh, more than the gender, more than, more than the gender, the, 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 the community or the segment of the community we're trying to serve, I think it's more important for them is the person who is providing the care does he or she understand that community? Does he or she can connect yeah. to the community? Mm-hmm. Uh, because most cases I have seen, they really don't mind because my mother is from that community, my wife is that from my sister. I've never heard any complaint about, you know, a male doctor, male doctor, gender issue, but I heard complain about like, oh, not being given proper attention or care mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the competence, you know. These things uh, I have heard, but, uh, but, you know, I think it probably helps provided be in the same gender, of course, you know, from yeah, female yeah. to gender, as it makes sense. And, yeah. and we do overwhelming number of our stuff. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And when you talk to, um, women and families regarding their care and then the, the delivery, um, how are men, like their partners or their husbands, do you include them in those conversations as well? Yeah. So it is, uh, uh, you know, I've been working over these, these things for a long time. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I obviously had to have a lot of ideas how to make that accepted in the community, how to work with the community. So I coined a, a phrase for maternal care, safe maternal care is called golden chain. The mm-hmm. golden chain is like a chain, mm-hmm. like, so chain is like a li- all the links are there. No yeah. links are broken, right? Mm-hmm. Because so uh, I, I say that you can, Ensure safe pregnancy if you maintain the unbroken chain. Mm-hmm. Right? Unbroken chain means in that chain, not only the patient, not only the midwife, not only the nurse, but the family as well, the society as well. So mm-hmm. her, her family members, her parents, or her parents-in-law, or her husband, her brothers, everybody will be involved in the her care. So there will be no break in the essential link of that chain, you know. So, right. yeah, yeah, so we want to involve and we do that because in the rural areas where we work, we frequently visit their families. We do a community fair, community gathering, community. We have mother's club where, you know, we do, uh, you know, like in different areas, we do meetings where a lot of their family members come and join in addition to the pregnant woman. So, so the, so getting in, involving the family and the community is a part of our golden chain. Awesome. Great. Um, I have a question. So 
a lot of what you've been discussing and talking about is primarily around delivery. And I understand that that's the, um, the main thing that the whole foundation is focused on, but they're frequently like women's health is, um, conflated with the whole concept of like maternal health and child health and delivery and pregnancy and everything. But are you doing other work to work on women's health and prioritizing other things besides just maternal needs and child needs? Like what else? Yeah. Or yeah. What are the other so, things that the foundation is doing? Yeah. Yes. So we do uh, maternal health, child health. We set up infrastructure. As I said, we have mm-hmm. two hospitals. We, we are under construction, a third hospital. We have a training facility. We have uh, rural medical centers, birth centers. Mm-hmm. So in addition to this, we also work on, uh, like, um, we are uh, specialized in um, caring for obstetric fistula. Okay. Obstetric fistula is uh, that uh, also related to maternal health, uh, yeah. where the, the mother develops a, a, a kind of uh, hole in her private area where the birth, the birth canal and where uh, the baby, uh, uh, the labor is obstructed for a long time and the baby dies and baby has to be taken out uh, by C-section or like manually remove it. Um, and during the process, there's a lot of uh, injury happens uh, in that area and mm-hmm. that leads to incontinence of urine and sometimes urine and stool. So obstetric fistula very common in rural, like uh, underdeveloped country. In Bangladesh, we are kind of pioneer in that work. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, we have uh, experienced surgeons who we have uh, sent them for higher training in different uh, fistula center in the world. And also we uh, invite fistula surgeons to come and work in our center and train our surgeons. So we have a strong, I think one of the strongest uh, fistula care team in Bangladesh. Oh, we have, awesome. And that is, we are building this new hospital. It's called Hope Maternity and Fistula Center. So this will mm-hmm. be... Maternity care as well as fistula. So we do that. We also, as I said, we are working, we developed a mental health program mm-hmm. uh, for, for women and community uh, in general. We, we are heavily uh, involved in the refugee care. Mm-hmm. And there is a Bangladesh, there is, you know that, uh, probably know that there is a Rohingya refugee crisis. Mm-hmm. Myanmar, a million uh, people that were fled Myanmar and came and, and took shelter in that area. So we have set up a field hospital there. We have set up many, um, uh, uh, what do you call, sexual and reproductive health centers, which is, again, uh, taking care of gender-based violence, mental health counseling, trauma counseling, and all this. We do that. We also have a program for telemedicine, where uh, the doctors from the U.S. and other countries uh, join for consultation of our telemedicine program. Also, we have clap surgery program, mm-hmm. where we take mission, medical mission from overseas, and we have burn surgery program. We take medical mission from surgical mission from U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. There is an organization called Research International uh, in San Francisco. They go there every year. And actually, next month, they have a trip planning together. So these are surgeries that we do there to the mission. It is a very uh, top-class care. Mm-hmm. It's not available in Bangladesh. So this is also we get we get patients from and many different countries, many parts of Bangladesh. Who otherwise would not get that care. Okay. Yeah. And are all these types of care available for, because you mentioned the Rohingya refugees as well. So does your foundation distinguish between like a Bangladesh citizen versus a Rohingya refugee? 
No, no, we don't. We don't because they are all patients. You know, like mm-hmm. whoever uh, uh, we are able to give care. You know, like we do, and um, and we have uh, we are running uh, ten centers inside the camp, wow. in including a field hospital. We have we have we set up a large field hospital there as well as nine ten centers inside the camp. So we are we you know patient is a patient. Mm-hmm. Whoever can help. Sure, and I see you have a question, Dana. Yeah. So I was just wondering, you listed so many different things that you're doing, which is fantastic that you're offering so many different services. Um, I was wondering a little bit about how working with and offering the mental health services is accepted in the community and in Bangladesh and how everyone works. Like, if are they accepting of doing going to get mental health services or is there any stigma around that or how is that working in that area? Yeah. So mental health uh, care is... Uh fairly new kind of care in our area Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know in Bangladesh there are so many other diseases and issues there Mm -hmm. that uh, you know the priority there are other diseases conditions that are priority so mental health sometimes it is not something that being addressed uh, but as uh, as I am a US trained physician and I am actually guiding this organization so I try to bring in uh, the care that which, which actually easily complement with what we are doing. Yeah. Because we do fistula, a lot of fistula patients are depressed, depressed mm-hmm. okay. because of their, you know, isolation and uh, social uh, stigma and all this. Mm-hmm. A lot of women has postpartum depression, mm-hmm. right? So a smaller mental health team can do a big job. Yeah. So th- that's why recently we got, um, you know, put together a mental health program and uh, we have a partner in Poland who, um, the Kulzik Foundation, they have helped us with some funding to set up this program. Mm-hmm. So we started and we are trying to hope to make it bigger. And we also involved a lot of U.S., um, uh, large number of actually Bangladeshi American doctors here are in psychiatry, oh. in the field of psychiatry. So we involved them as well. That's great. And, you know, they, they frequently visit uh, Bangladesh, go to our clinic. And do the guide guidance, do like the mentoring our mental health team. So mm-hmm. you know we use um, we use a lot of uh, free resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they are like because I find that there are many many doctors, Bangladeshi doctors in the U.S. and other country. They want to give back to Bangladesh as well as many non-Bangladeshi doctors here. They want to volunteer. So mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know, we are kind of expert in. Asking help, seeking mm-hmm. support from different people they want to give support. That's where we get a lot of free but very valuable care yeah. for our mm-hmm. programs. So I actually have a question about that because as a founder of now this pretty large organization, you're working with a lot of different people and partners internationally. And I'm sure you have um, certain things that you expect from your partners. And then certain things that you're looking for in terms of what they can provide and what what your partnership looks like. And as someone who's leading this organization, you really don't want to partner with someone that could either provide like unethical care for some reason or not be good with the patients or maybe lie and say that they have experience with working with the Bangladesh community, but they actually don't. So how do you like how do you have you experienced that? Number one. And number two, how do you address that? And prevent that from happening. Right, right. So, uh, you know, because uh, I'm in the field for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. I've been in the field 
uh, as a medical doctor as well as a global development uh, organization running a global so i have been in this for a long time and yeah. being in for a long time uh, you know i i learned a lot you know <laughs> how to identify the right kind of help how to not mm-hmm. waste my time or my resources how not to give my time and attention to wrong person right mm-hmm. so so that is first first of all you know it's an experience that you know like myself i developed and and almost 100% of the all the professionals that work to hope foundation uh, giving the free service and volunteering all of them goes through me personally because okay. you know i like to make sure that a doctor is being guided by a doctor because so because if i send the doctor who is a very experienced doctor a professor say plastic surgery brand professor if mm-hmm. i connect that person to a junior level doctor in bangladesh they will not connect they will not know you know they will not be able to connect with each other mm-hmm. so i definitely make sure that i screen everybody that wants to go to bangladesh a nurse or a midwife or a doctor whoever professional i screen them mm-hmm. i don't mind spending my time because i get this service for free if i spend one hour screening and if i get their service for one month can you see the difference you know what yeah. i gain so i don't mind so um with the, any given time if i find a doctor or nurse who want to go and contact our organization i personally interview them i look at their cv and when i look at their cv when i talk to them i know what they can do and what they cannot and if okay. i feel that they are not able to do things ahead of time we don't take them okay you know we don't take them we don't take just anybody go and just want to okay i can do whatever you want or i can just you know i can carry the bags and all this we don't we want highly skilled professionals sure serving so that's how that's how we that's good um to give you an example yeah last year uh, in 2019 i personally interviewed and and hosted volunteers for different scale, like uh, length of time starting from 3 days to 6 months mm-hmm. you know i personally interviewed and hosted over 100 international volunteer physician nurses and midwives so wow. yeah you know and right now i mean i interview almost every week wow uh, okay like, that's right every week yeah. i interview and it also helped me uh, to you know like build you see one of the other thing i do is i built a network of mm-hmm. people who help our organization and this believe me these doctors nurses and midwives they are very very resourceful mm-hmm. right so when i build a relationship with them partnership with them they go serve here in bangladesh and come back and many of them after coming back they raise a lot of money for us or they connect me to other professionals their friends mm-hmm. it's a like it's a growth is you know much better for the organization if i give some time i give some effort you know mm-hmm. and the value is a value a lot and i also can work with them and guide them what is it i need or our organization need and so they like if i psychiatrist i want certain kind of care mm-hmm. if I, like neurologist i can certain kind of care so make sure that they go there and they are able to do the job in a limited period of time well you know and when they come back they feel they have done something sure yeah so from what i just heard you said that you have people that go and volunteer and work in the field anywhere from 3 days to 6 months 
Yes. Is that is that really short amount of time to have someone there for three days, or what? What is able to be um, done during that kind of time? Because things that are like shorter sound very like, oh, what are how much can you get done in that short of amount of time? Okay, so yeah. for example, somebody go for three days who is yeah. experienced in giving a lot of like uh, skill based training. Okay. Right? Yeah. Say cardiopulmonary resuscitation, neonatal resuscitation. You okay. know. Training, skill yeah, yeah. development. You don't need like it's like a crash course, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we go to a three days training or five days training. That change our training level, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that makes so sense. That's what some people. There are people that like too experienced, right? Mm-hmm. And they cannot afford months after months going from yeah. the U.S. probably from a university who has a busy job. Mm-hmm. They okay, I'm gonna go for a week or three days. I'm going to give this, this and training and I'm going to do follow-up later on or somebody else will follow up on my training. And we always do the follow-up training. Okay. Makes Amazing. Sense? Yeah. And yeah. then also, what percentage of the staffing and the resources, of, like human resources that you have in Bangladesh are people that live there permanently versus how many are being sent in your professional network of people from the U.S. or from other countries that aren't Bangladesh-based? Yeah. So our, like, staff-wise, mm-hmm. right? so we have uh, about 550 staff, for example, mm-hmm. 500, around 550 staff, and we have, in a given time, 5 to 10 international volunteers. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So it's like 2% or 3%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this process that you just you know, talked about like interviewing and all this stuff. Um, was it always like this or how did you start? Because when you start, it's so small and you don't, you only have like your own immediate network. So how did you go about growing to where you are now? Well, I grow very slowly. I mm-hmm. go slowly, but steady, you know, because uh, I, I started a very small clinic uh, part-time, like twice a week. A doctor, part-time doctor, come and write some prescriptions and like that. Mm-hmm. From that position to open a small hospital, it took me five years. Oh, okay. Right? Wow. After another, it took me 10 years to start, uh, what, 12 years from the time I started the foundation. So 12 years it took me to start the my training program. Okay. So, so I can tell you, so nine, 99, actually, you can say 2000. 2000 I started because 99 December I started so okay. 2000 2005 uh, I opened the a small hospital mm. and 2000 actually uh, 12 uh, I started doing uh, surgery so, mm. like in the hospital at that time we didn't have any surgical facility yeah okay. so 2013 we started the midwifery training program so you know it slowly it and and yeah. it's like a baby that grow yeah it grow with me right yeah, yeah. but it's so, a very solid organization now yeah uh, because when i started it's only two people now wow. 530 uh, or 50 people yeah. right so i mean uh, it took me 20 years yeah. but i tell you that in last few years it grow really fast mm. Now, because we have a critical volume, that critical uh, volume that we have to achieve, volume of work, mm-hmm. now we have quite a bit of credibility. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, our, uh, there are many, many good partners we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and uh, network is better. And also, we have a lot of experience. Yeah. And I, I imagine in any organization, resources is always something that you want. So primarily funding, right? You want funding to keep doing the work that you're doing. But were there any um, like political or cultural barriers, anything systemic within working in Bangladesh that um, that were kind of setbacks or just took longer to get to a certain goal? You know, Bangladesh is uh, is a very good country to work, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just, um, you know, because there is quite a bit of need. And mm-hmm. Bangladesh, if you look at Bangladesh, we have, uh, we, uh, actually, Bangladesh uh, was founded in uh, 1971. Uh, we used mm-hmm. to be part of a different country. Then we became an independent country, mm-hmm. uh, 1971. So it is only 49 years, right? mm-hmm. nine years. And and uh, and we have grown pretty good, and I would say we from very difficult situation to now we have a very good GDP. We have um, very good leadership, mm-hmm. very good leadership, and 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 we have uh, a good um, history of uh, development work. Like you know, some organization like BRAC, Grameen Bank, and all these is like development work, stuff. and also. Uh, Bangladesh is a very women-friendly country because mm. of, you know, our garments industry is pretty much run by like millions of women that work there. Our uh, prime minister, past uh, two prime ministers were women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, you know, we are... Uh, so these are the things that helped a lot yeah. for my work, for our organization work. And I, you know, you ask about barriers and setbacks. I would avoid that, uh, discussing mm-hmm. that, because I feel that it is a really nice place to work. Yeah. So there are issues with sometimes you'll see the, you know, statistics, corruption and mm-hmm. irregularity, bureaucracy and all this there. I mean, it is everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. So True. I don't uh, want to go there because I yeah. see the opportunity is so good and I have been so successful. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think that it's a, it is a good feeling that I work in Bangladesh. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I do want to touch base back on the Rohingya refugees that you're working with now. So is that um, more within the last few years that the foundation has been working with the refugees? Okay, so we have been working with refugees for many years Mm -hmm. because the Rohingya issue has been going on for over 30 years back before people pushed back and all this. So so there were uh, like Rohingya people in that area for many years. So Mm -hmm. we we have consulted them. We have given service, uh, services, uh, some training, some of those, you know, that people that were in the camp. Uh, so we did um, cleft surgery, fistula surgery and all this, smaller scale, because those are, those are small number of Rohingya refugees were there. They were under UN charter. So mm-hmm. the UN organization were managing them. Because we are local, we had some resources. We used to work with them and help them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly work with the regular Bangladeshi community. Sure. But from August 2017, when this mass exodus mm-hmm. happened, and we got like massive involvement there because we are right there. So yeah. we are not the first organization to be at the camp to give, you know, service right away. Because at yeah. that time, like 100% of the people were traumatized, you know, like somehow yeah. uh, physically or mentally. So everybody needed help. Nobody yeah. was in good health. So mm-hmm. we are right. Uh, um, moment for us 
who were involved because all the big organization was flying in from other countries or from mm-hmm. other parts of the country, but we are right there. Mm-hmm. So we got massive involvement. We we continued that involvement till today. Okay. okay. As a foundation who is at the forefront providing services for the Rohingya people, what would you say are your current biggest needs to provide them with even better services? So, you know, the the influx happened in August 2017. Now mm-hmm. we are now we are here in February 2020, right? So mm-hmm. over two years, almost mm-hmm. two years, right? So it's a long time. But uh, for them, I think there's a longer time waiting waiting ahead for them because mm-hmm. uh, we don't see any right now. We don't see any sign of repatriation because we are hoping that. They will be repatriated quickly to their land, and they can really they can restart their life. But so far, it became a like a chronic issue. Now the emergency is over, mm-hmm. and now it became a chronic issue. So it looks like we are not sure how long they're gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's a large number of people, yeah. so a lot of chronic health problems are there. Problems with education, employment, uh, their rehabilitation, mm-hmm. all these are there, mm-hmm. and. But as we are focused, as foundation, we are focused in health or mostly, right. uh, like uh, acute care, chronic care. So we have hospitals, we have health centers. So now we are trying to integrate uh, like mental health there because as they're staying there long in, in like, you know, without job, without real hope. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the mental health need is so we are, and also we are uh, bringing in care like dental medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, trying to, um, you know, like uh, do a program to set up program for chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are the things we are doing as an organization. Also, in the future, if the government permits, we'll probably do some educational program there, like training, healthcare training for the Rohingya woman. You know, but mm-hmm. it all depends on the if we are allowed to do that. Yeah. Whatever in healthcare wise, we are allowed to do all those things that I mentioned. Okay. Okay. That's good. So a lot of everything that you've been talking about is obviously in Bangladesh, but a lot of people have not been there and don't know what that looks like, right? Or they don't know exactly what it's like to experience those health needs. So can you talk a little bit about how it's similar or different and how the health system kind of works there versus a health system like the U.S.? Oh, the health system is, is a huge difference. Yeah. You know, um, see, in the U.S., I've been practicing medicine since uh, '92, so that makes it almost 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. So you see that in the U.S. and any other developed country, what you have a strong, very strong public health, mm-hmm. right? Public health means sanitation, immunization, mm-hmm. awareness, you know, yeah. and also you know necessary support. You have uh, you know clean toilet clean water, things like that. See, mm-hmm. that makes a big difference, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, uh, so in country like Bangladesh, uh, so many of those things that we enjoy here or we have here, we don't even know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's important. They don't have it. Yeah. So, they're, they're always vulnerable to infection and all kind of uh, chronic diseases. Sure, yeah. And 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 uh, and also you know like even food like mm-hmm. here you have an FDA you have an EPA you have like you know some sort of guidelines and screening and food and things like that in country 
in some many developed under developed country you don't have the food guidelines you can just you know make anything for people so that is the major part i see mm-hmm. the different difference right other than that you know um, in in if you go to bangladesh you there are some nice looking hospitals mm-hmm. they have very well trained physicians as well so a small number of people are can get if they want top quality care in bangladesh in some places but in general in general regular people don't have uh, the sort of public health infrastructure yeah mm-hmm. so that put them at a higher risk which you and i don't see it in yeah, yeah. make sense yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so just a small thing uh, when you mentioned you know like public health efforts like hygiene and sanitation um so i imagine in the clinics that you're setting up and the hospitals you're setting up you have some pretty strict guidelines on keeping the hospitals clean especially for delivery rooms because that can get messy really fast yeah yeah, yeah. i absolutely absolutely we do uh, because as i say you know uh, with a lot of us from you well us trained so mm-hmm. we try to bring in some of the learned things that we learned here mm-hmm. to that actually distincts us from many other hospitals and also as you as i mentioned we discussed about so many volunteers going from the us and the uk and australia western countries when they go there they actually contribute in many ways mm-hmm. you know direct care training and all this but they also kind of try to uh, modify the working environment you know and 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 since we have a constant stream of international professionals mm-hmm. they they remain always there is some kind of changes happening all the time without being noticed mm-hmm. sometimes we don't notice it sometimes local food don't but but is happening right because these doctors are going there nurses going there they they are not going to like uh, they, they undo whatever they have learned or been practicing in the us for such a long time so they will go they say okay this is different let's change it make it more so we we do pretty good um, our infection con- control is very good infection rate is very low Mm-hmm. Um, we our hospitals are very clean and we try to strictly follow a higher standard of care yeah, and 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 uh, to, to your previous question about the health structure and all this generally infrastructure wise our hospitals are you know less equipped or say less yeah. you know stringent in the structural structurally but at hope farm hospital i can tell you that we all our clinics we take it very seriously in terms of infection control cleanliness mm-hmm. and service mm-hmm. great yeah <laughs> um i don't have any further questions to dana is there a reason uh, this is like going back pretty far is there a reason that women in more rural settings are more prone to have fistula because you said that it's common yeah. like is there a reason for that of course yeah. reason that because uh, you know i can it, 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 i can talk about bangladesh but it happens in same thing happens in all underdeveloped country where the fistula is common so okay. fistula is basically fistula is basically when the labor 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 yeah. the, the time uh, is prolonged mm-hmm. and 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 due to obstruction because okay. there are some risk factors that no matter how long you wait no matter how much you do you will not be able to take the baby out normal vaginal birth mm. okay because of different reasons mm-hmm. like one being small pelvis one being baby too big mm-hmm. one being 
position is wrong. You know, there are a lot of those. You can wait days after days after days, wait for the normal birth. It's not going to happen. So baby, and, and because these women, uh, number one, they are in the rural areas. Mm-hmm. More, there is no hospital there that, that you can consult a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two is that there are not many trained um, healthcare personnel in the rural areas. Three is that many times they are far, far from the hospitals and clinics and all this. Mm-hmm. Four, uh, sometimes they cannot afford it. Even though they are okay. nearby, maybe they cannot afford to pay for the hospital or they cannot afford to pay for the ambulance. Mm-hmm. You know? Four, uh, they are probably don't know. So, mm-hmm. uninformed. Yeah. Fifth, the sick, say, uh, there is a, they are being cared by a local traditional birth attendant who will tell that otherwise, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it's going to happen. I'm doing this and that and that, you know, local you know, the traditional medicine, they will try, the traditional maneuver, they will try. Baby dies. When mm-hmm. the baby dies, so baby is stay uh, pressure in the uterus, lower part cervix. Yeah. So uh, due, due to the pressure, the actually blood supply got obstructed, blocked, and the part become necrosis. It become necrosis forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So you, you lose that tissue, right? Okay. You lose the, you, the, the tissue become necrosis. So the baby, they take the baby out. It's Mother is, you know, uh, sometimes they will take the baby out by hand or like last minute they say, okay, let's go to the hospital no matter what. They will sell some of their uh, assets or something, like whatever they have or borrow money from loan shark. They will go, they'll go to the hospital, they will see section or whatever. Mm-hmm. But once, mm-hmm. develops, fistula, once the fistula develops, uh, uh, so this, as I said, it happens in the rural areas and we mainly work in the rural areas, by the way. Um, and, uh, but what happened after fistula? Because when this happened, they start leaking the urine and sometimes urine in the stool. They get pretty much separated from the husband. They don't okay. have any marital life anymore. Yeah. So they lose okay. their baby. They lose their husband. And, and pretty soon they start developing a like smell that mm. with them all the time. Ah, okay. So they, they are not, you know, like actually welcome in their any family. Sure. Right? They may be, you know... There, but they are like they have no life. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that is the that is the problem with fistula. But fistula in Bangladesh, uh, uh, there are still a lot of fistula, mm-hmm. and uh, one of our goal is to uh, we call it no fistula left behind. Mm-hmm. That's our slogan. Okay. So we'll do everything possible to at least one thing, which is eradicate fistula from Bangladesh. Sure. Okay. Cool. Okay. So if um. If there are trained clinicians or uh, interested people who want to work with you out there, where should they go to um, apply or just like yeah. gain and get some interest? They always can uh, for any question, any queries, volunteering, mm-hmm. giving donation, giving advice, consulting, or giving some anything, anything they want to help us or giving uh, some uh, some ideas. They mm-hmm. can go www hope for bangladesh.org h-o-p-e-f-o-r bangladesh.org and and, uh, there is an email contact Mm -hmm. so you can email or call we respond quickly (laughs) yeah you you all do actually this was a very quick setup (laughs) Uh, are there any remaining thoughts that you have that we haven't addressed that you would like to say? 
I think you have asked a lot of uh, good good questions, and I'm happy that um, you have invited me to talk to you. And Hope um, Foundation uh, and myself as a founder mm-hmm. very passionate about mental health mm-hmm. because we believe that, and I I learned it coming to US by the way that you know mm-hmm. women's health is a very important issue because when the uh, that that part which is like half of our society mm-hmm. if they are in good health the whole society will be in good health that's mm-hmm. right i learned yeah. and in bangladesh as you know many women don't work they are housewives mm-hmm. which is fine yeah but because they are they don't work they are housewives and sometimes their men or the society is not enlightened mm-hmm. so sometimes they neglect their health mm-hmm. right neglect their health and yeah. which actually very bad for the society mm-hmm. and investment is not that much yeah mm-hmm. it's just the giving the care the basic care it's mm-hmm. not a but with that small investment you can return is enormous sure. mm-hmm. that's yeah. what i say because um and that's why i'm trying to prove actually yeah. that but doing the work and giving the attention the basic attention you can prevent fistula that family is intact you can prevent the maternal death i mean for example uh, in Bangladesh, maternal death is 176 over 100,000 pregnant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very, in, 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 in a country like Norway, Sweden, right? It's mm-hmm. one or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., a little bit higher than Norway, Sweden, but still much, much lower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you see, it's a very high maternal mortality. If the mother dies, how the family can be uh, product? I mean, mm-hmm. how the family can survive, you know? Because yeah. the kids, the husband, everyone, right? So mm-hmm. I understand that deep, and I want to promote that. And not only my goal is not only to help the community that I'm serving right now, but mm-hmm. I want to, at some point, I, I, if I get a chance, I want to take this message to other people as well. There are many other countries, you know. I want to go to those kind of forums and mm-hmm. tell why it is so important, why it is yeah. so important for their country, for my country, where I come from, country like Bangladesh. It's so important that if we want to grow, if we want to develop. We, we cannot forget our mother, other yeah. women uh, yeah. of the community. If we do that, we'll develop no matter what. Because they will be healthy, they will help men to work better. Mm-hmm. That's my message. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a great way to yeah. end it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the episode. Thank you to Dr. Mahmood for talking with us. As a reminder, you can reach him at www.hopeforbangladesh.org. And the transcript and resources for this episode are up on the website. As a reminder, if you have any questions, you can always reach us at globalcaveat at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at globalcaveat. And again, thank you to all of you, our listeners and supporters, for helping this podcast run. And a special thanks to Cordell Glass Hot Cocoa for producing our music. Thanks for listening.